Hi guys, I'm fantasy author J.H. Fleming. And I'm science fiction and fantasy author Philip Dreyer Duncan. And with us is the dungeon master of our hearts. Hello, Christopher. <laughs> Hello, Phil. Uh, I was just talking with Chris before we got started. This last weekend, we went up to the Kansas City Renaissance Festival. And Chris's family went up there as well. Chris, unfortunately, was not able to make it. But his mother was there, and I got to meet his mom. And I immediately took a selfie with his mom. I had never met her before, so I immediately was like, I need a selfie with you. And then I sent a selfie of me with Chris's mom to Chris from far. Now, I, I do want to call out what kind of status that is. An author she reads <laughs> and host of a podcast that she listens to needs a selfie with her. Because <laughs> she's awesome. <laughs> You're not wrong. Can we also just real quick talk about? I know we don't do video, but I feel like the listeners need to know that Chris, and he still hasn't explained why, but from the moment we turned our cameras on, he has flowers in his hair. Yes. <laughs> what up with that? I I don't you know. Become... They just they just showed up. They came with the spring rolls, so I assume <laughs> it was spring related. I thought maybe you were becoming a druid or something, flower child. <sighs> Radagast. <laughs> We're we're not doing the Hobbit Day thing again. We're that's that's not for a year. Every day, uh, every day wait, is, is that Hobbit actually, Day I, in my heart. I, I got the name right. <laughs> yes. Um. So we're gonna do a special episode today. Why? Because when this airs, it will be one day from the release of something. I've forgotten what it was. What's happening on Tuesday? I don't. Jage, can you help me out? Yeah, it is launch day for my new book and folk album. Oh, yeah, those things. Wee! Wee! Wow. Like, are they bundled together? No. I mean, I guess <laughs> if, I, if I'd used something like, what was the other one? Is it Zulu? Is that one or am I misremembering? Lulu. I don't know why I said Zulu. Lulu. In that one, you could do a bundling thing where it's like the CD is like actually packaged inside the book, but I wanted them to be separate. So, yeah. All right. So the album is the band is called Wildwood Minstrels and the album is called Once Upon a Time. And the new novel is called Jack of Crows. And this is the description of Jack of Crows. Jack remembers being human, but that was long ago. Now he's just a scarecrow, content to spend his days quietly sitting in his field and watching the clouds go by. He has but one friend, Evelyn, yet that is enough for a scarecrow with fleeting memories of his days as a man. Until Evelyn makes a deal with a witch and is cursed to become a crow. Together, crow and scarecrow must embark on a quest to break the curse and make Evelyn human once again. It won't be easy, not with the witch's hunter on the trail, intent on consuming their souls. They'll meet allies along the way, but can one really ever trust the slyest of foxes or the intentions of mages? As the wolves rage their war across the land, Jack and Evelyn must brave constant danger from animals and humans alike, and the hunter is ever on their trail. To break a witch's curse, determination alone is not enough. Sometimes sacrifice is needed. But are they willing to pay the price? Jack of Crows, out Tuesday. Woohoo! Woohoo! All right. J.H., tell us about Jack. What was the origin of this of this story? What led to you writing this particular book? So Jack was actually the fourth novel I ever wrote. And for context, I'm currently writing my 20th. So this one was one I started, you know, probably a decade ago at this point. It is so 
probably not a big surprise to those who know me. My favorite season is autumn. Everything to do basically like this month, October is like, I just wish it were all year long. I love it so much. So I kind of wanted to have a book that sort of incorporated that love of like autumn. And then like, for me, different like symbols to kind of go with that. So um, Jack is a scarecrow. The Evelyn, um, the other main character is turned into a crow. There's a fox character that was mentioned in the description. Um, there's an owl character. There are witches. Um, lots of other animal characters too, like cats and wolves. And um, they, some deer come up at some point, like just all sorts of different things. But then it also has like a bit of a spooky element. Like we mentioned the hunter that's after them. And as Phil likes to say, a lot of bad stuff happens to Jack throughout the book. And I kind of did that intentionally because I wanted to show like a, a character who basically has the patience of a saint and is able to kind of persevere through some really bad stuff and maintain like who he is through that. Cause it'd be easy to show like a character dealing with something and kind of like going to the dark side per se, and then like reacting and getting revenge, but like, that's not who Jack is. And so I wanted to stay true to him throughout that as well. So it's kind of like a blending of these different things of like things I love and the type of story I wanted to tell. Another fun fact, the first draft of this was actually, I want to say it was the first year I tried NaNoWriMo. So like I was already going to write the novel and I decided to finish the first draft during NaNoWriMo. For those who don't know, that's National Novel Writing Month. It's every November. And your goal is to write a 50,000 word first draft of a novel. But some people kind of mix it up. Like you can do short story collections. You can change your word count. You can do something different. Uh, But the traditional is a 50,000 word novel first draft start on November 1st, end by November 30th. I did that with Jack for the first draft, and it's very different from the final draft, but um, that's when I finished that one. That's actually the one I've mentioned before when I did the writer's retreat, and now I'm dating it. It was back in 2014, and that was the one I mentioned that I hand wrote 5,000 words in a single day, and that's when I switched to typing. I was working on Jack at the time. All right, cool. Yeah. So... Now tell us about the album. What led to you wanting to do an album? Before I wanted to be a writer, I actually wanted to be a singer. And specifically, a I always say an opera singer, but that's not technically correct. Basically, I wanted to be Sarah Brightman, for those who know. So she has been like on Broadway stuff. She's done opera stuff. She was married to Andrew Lloyd Webber at one point. He created, when he did the Phantom of the Opera and adapted it to a musical, she was the first Christine. Like he wrote all the parts of Christine for her. And so she, those sorts of things, but over many decades now, she's kind of just been like a solo artist doing her own thing. And she'll do some stuff where it's like more operatic songs, some stuff that's almost kind of like, pop song stuff. I was always really drawn to the more kind of opera songs that she did. So like, basically I wanted to like be her recording CDs and like just focus on like those types of songs. So not necessarily like an opera singer. I'm like in a theater and I'm in like an actual opera, but just those types of songs, if that makes sense. And probably when I was in high school, I decided to switch and focus on writing instead, but I always still had a love for music and singing and whatnot. And my mom always liked me to um, like just record her, like just these burnt CDs of me singing different songs. So, like I have, you know, a bunch of 
different soundtracks that I've had, you know, from, from over the years performing in talent shows and whatnot. So I would just record these and give them to her as presents, you know, for her birthday or Christmas. And then for this most recent one, I had the idea, Phil's friend Jason is a guitar player. And so like, okay, why don't I actually have him play guitar and I sing like so the same sort of thing we I typically do, but actually have like another musician doing this with me. It's not just, you know, some recorded soundtrack or something. And once I had that idea, it kind of morphed into like, okay, if we're doing that, like, why couldn't we actually, if we're doing this album, we could make it one that we actually sell. Same way I do, like at this, at that point, I'd already, you know, written and published multiple books. It's like, okay, I could do that with an album as well. I've tried writing songs in the past. I'm definitely not as good at it as I am with novels, probably just for lack of practice for, for one part, but just it's not my strong suit. So in order to do something that I could sell, I decided, okay, what sort of like genre could I do? And I really love folk songs and have for many years now. So like, okay, those, most of them are in the public domain. So I can, we can just do some of those, come up with our own arrangements. He learned all the songs and played them on his guitar. I've been learning ukulele. So I was able to do some of that on the songs and then just sang all of them. So yeah, that's kind of how that started. And it, it, didn't start off as like we were intending to do an album to sell. And it just kind of morphed into that, like, hey, I can actually do this and still pursue like that music side of my creativity that I've always loved on top of my writing creativity, if that makes sense. It kind of like merged the two in a way. Okay, but I know you really well, so I get to cheat as the interviewer <laughs> here. Oh, and no. that. I know that you have until recently been horror strucken by the idea of people listening to you. So what's changed? Yes. What what made you feel were that you could do this and put it out to the world? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing has changed. I'm still horror stricken. If you asked me to sing right now, I would not be able to do it. That's not completely <laughs> true though, because for the first it many is. years we were together, you would record, but you would hide it. You know, like a secret yes. YouTube channel where only you could get to it. And if anybody, anytime anybody found out, it would be like, it'd be like magic is if somebody found out about JH's YouTube channel, all of a sudden certain songs would start disappearing from the list. <laughs> um, no, that's not but, true. But, I, <laughs> so the thing with the songs disappearing, that had nothing to do with people finding out. That was more to do with like some time has passed and I'm looking through what I have and I'm realizing, oh, that one's really bad. I'm taking it down. <laughs> so <laughs> it was more of that sort of thing. It had nothing to do with people finding out. But so even, okay, so you've recorded albums for like your mom for like Christmas, right? And yep. I demanded one of them. You fought me mm -hmm. tooth and nail on even letting me have one under the promise of <laughs> not letting anyone else listen to it. You finally gave me one, but I wasn't allowed to ever listen to it. Like I had to put it in my desk drawer and that's where it had to stay. <laughs> you weren't um, allowed. I just didn't want to be around when it was but, listened to. But this year, even mm -hmm. you broke out your ukulele and played with Lady Nancy at the Rin Fair. Mm -hmm. And you haven't been as so Previously, I'd get in trouble when I would show people the YouTube channel, and I would. Oh, I totally would, yes. any chance I got. Um, so what's what's changed on that front? Because obviously, you're somewhat more comfortable. You played your ukulele in public in front of people. 
this year. Yeah. So there's a big difference um, with those two things. So for me, playing an instrument in front of people versus singing in front of people are they're different comfort levels for me with that. The playing an instrument, like once I feel semi-confident, like I have no problems with that. It's I don't have that same anxiety and fear as I do when I'm singing. And I cannot really say why. I've had the the anxiety of fear with singing in public, even when I was, you know, um junior high, high school doing talent shows and whatnot. Even then when I was singing in public, every single time I was on stage, like I would get super sick it, like to my stomach and, you know, have this major anxiety and it wouldn't go away until after I was done. I don't know why. It's just, I guess, part of who I am. And that still hasn't gone away. Like if, if Jason and I ever performed live, it would probably happen again. <laughs> Not going to lie. So is this what you've done with the album? Is that something that you would recommend for somebody who has a creative pursuit that they have a ton of anxiety around? Is that a, is this been a way you could pursue it without having to dive face first into that anxiety? Yes, because it's different. It's almost like doing it this way where we're just recording and then it's out in the world and I don't have to be around when people are listening to it. It's kind of like, writing books in that way. It's like, I've written the book, it's published, it's out in the world. Someone can be reading my books right now and I wouldn't know. Um, same thing with the music. I have three singles out right now. Someone can be listening to it right now and I have no clue. So to me, it's it's the same in that regard. Whereas if I were on a stage right now, so another good example is, and we talked about this with panels before at conventions, I would early on have that same anxiety doing the panels as I would um, with singing. So it, there's something about being on stage in front of people that kind of triggers that. And being able to record this album and then just send it out into the world is more akin to the publishing side of it. So I think that's helped kind of lessen that feeling. And then on the other side of the, basically being on stage doing anything, I think us doing the panels has helped a lot in making me more comfortable with that sort of thing. So even though I do suspect I'll still have some anxiety around it, if I approach it the way I do, I the way I approach convention panels now, I think I'll be better off. So if you someone should, else had uh, the same sort of anxiety, I would totally recommend like, okay, try something to where you can do it and then you can step away from it and others can interact with it without you having to be there. You should think about starting a podcast or something. That would probably... <laughs> Yes, that helps too. It's the same sort of thing. So when people listen to this, like I'm, it's going to be a Monday and I'm just going to be going about my normal day. So yeah, same thing there. I'm so different from you in that way is like when somebody's like, oh, I read your book. Like I know what they said. I know they said they wrote, they read this thing I spent so much time on, you know, and it's like, mm -hmm. whatever. But it doesn't translate that way into my brain. Like I hear it, I understand it, but what my brain ex like chooses to accept it as is like, they just came up and said they read one of my favorite books or they just played uh -huh. one of my favorite games. And I get so jazzed to talk about it. Like, and I come <laughs> off as such a weirdo because it, it's like, I don't think about it as being like my thing and that I'm the author. I just like, Oh, 
Chris has read the next Blade Mage book. Oh, I, I read that book too. It's so good. I liked it. You know, like, every t- well, like it's fun because like with Chris, like we've got to have those conversations with each new book that come when he, he's done reading it. He's like, I finished it. I'm like, Oh, let's talk about it. I read it too. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I read it too. No, I definitely have excitement when people tell me they've read something or, you know, listened to a song or whatever. But again, it's still a different thing, like when they're in the act of interacting with it for the first time, like that's it's different, especially so that's even different from. So as another example, with the reading the book, like they're reading it, either they, you know, they bought a physical copy or whatever, but it would be more akin to Jack's just come out. It's having its debut thing. You want to read it for the first time. And instead of you just sitting and reading it, I'm going to be up on a stage holding it and reading it to you. That's more similar to like the, you know, performing music. That'd be the closest comparison. It's different when you're interacting with it and I'm not having to do anything. When I am a object of attention throughout the whole thing, that's where the anxiety comes in. That's fair. All right. Chris, you got any questions about the album or book? You're just going to sit there with your pretty flowers and your pretty hair. <laughs> are you are you on a voice strike because I called you the dungeon master? Oh, <laughs> I wasn't going to mention that part again. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want your flowers to get too big. All right. That's kind of got a scorpion stinger going on. <laughs> Last here. question, JH. Will there be future albums? We have talked about that. Yes, um, we may try to write some. Jason has more experience in that. Than I do. Um, I definitely do want to try it myself as well, but I'm I'm probably going to be even stricter on myself than I am like when I'm writing novels. Like I don't know something about music. Um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I may be even more of a perfectionist, and if it's not just right, I'm just going to trash the whole thing. <laughs> so I'm just we'll going to go. I, I want it set on record here that. I have helped Jason write several songs and I have in full earnesty that a word. I don't know. Made it up. Um, I have, I have said, I will be glad to help you write songs. And she's just like, she just blinks that out. Like, no, you're, I know you can't do that. You're an idiot. You're not going to help me. I did Um, not. Just because the one song I wrote that's out there for the world to hear is a little bit on the silly side does not mean I can't help Uh you write songs. JH. Uh huh. Whoever, let's do the news. (laughs) Let's do the news. It's a little silly. A little Mm -hmm. silly. That's what we're going with. Yeah, that's what we're going with. I'm not going to say it on here because I don't want to have to use the explicit (laughs) tag. (laughs) (laughs) All right, news. Maybe, I don't know. We're recording now, so we're just going to go with it. I'll ask you, uh, I don't know what the new thing, new Amazon thing you're talking about. Let's start with that. What's the new Amazon thing? Jabroni, Jamira, Qua, Hobbiton? Oh, yes. So <laughs> Amazon just, <laughs> for any other authors who've used them before, one thing they had in the past that was one thing I really didn't like. So if you were publishing a physical book that people are going to buy, as far as the release date, your only option was to publish the book and like that was it. So like whatever date it was released, that's when it was was released. They had it to where ebooks, you could set a release date in the future. So like say I, you know, got Jack ready and uploaded everything in July. 
I can set the release date as October 10th or whatever day I want in the future. And then I'm done and it'll just automatically, automatically release on that day. But that was only for eBooks. So the big change that Amazon just did within like the last couple of days was that they made that possible for physical books now as well. So you can now set future release dates and get everything submitted and ready to go. And then just (laughs) wait for your release, I guess. You don't have to remember to go back a few days before and relaunch it. Yeah, no, that is a big deal. It's I when I did the Blade Mages, that was painful. Like you can't because it's like you want to plan a release date to announce it and stuff, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of hard to because then you don't know like when you hit submit, it's like this could take twelve to thirty six hours or whatever it is, and you're like, uh, okay, right? Yeah. So I as soon as I got that news because I'd been planning to do that with Jack. For those who don't already know, I'm doing a hardcover for Jack as well through Amazon, but it was the same deal. So like I was going to have to wait until the actual like release day or a few days before hit the publish button and then wait to see when it actually comes out. But because that is out in enough time, I was able to do it, I think yesterday and it said 72 hours. So that's more than enough time. So it'll just launch on the 10th with everything else. And I don't have to do anything in addition to that. It'll be great. Yeah, that's a pretty good change. Yep. All right. Well, our not first news story now. The strike <laughs> is over. It ended Woo! 148 days and the strike is over. So the writers got a new deal. I think it's like a two year deal or something. Can't remember off the top of my head, but it's their deal says that AI can't be used to write scripts. That was something they wanted. Seems reasonable. Um, they're going to get better streaming residuals and transparency regarding numbers. Also good. And then in, it looks like it's going to increase the minimum rates that they can be paid and also put um, some minimum staffing requirements for writer's rooms, which I'm assuming means if you're going to have a writer's room, it has to have X amount. Um, yeah. And I could probably, if I were good at this whole podcasting thing, I probably would have remembered to share the screen so that my co-host could see what I was looking at. Mm-hmm. But... I thought maybe the writer's rooms had to have like a certain number of full staffs. And <laughs> oh boy. Staves. I'm never calling you a dungeon master ever again. <laughs> it could be worse. I could go with the released interesting novel, October 10th. So, J.H., <laughs> uh, would you do the next news story before Christopher tells another joke? <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, so apparently Books a Million has partnered with Walmart's Go Local program to offer um, same or next day delivery, which is pretty cool. Sounds like sort of like an Amazon Prime type thing where they just get you your stuff really fast. So that's kind of neat. We're ordering books yeah. from Books a Million. I want to know when this starts and if our local Books a Million will bring them all the way to our house. I have a feeling we'll probably be too right. far <laughs> out of the range or whatever. Yeah, that's problem with living in a small town away from everything (laughs) it's fine it's more fun to go to the bookstore but it's still cool that they're doing it (laughs) that's true yes that is really cool that they're offering that all right our next piece of news wait comment question i've got is are they getting it done for 231 books a million locations or 231 walmart locations because there's a big percentage i think think it's 231 books a million locations yeah they're just using Walmart's Go Local program to do it. Pretty good plan. All right. Our next story, Spotify has launched its new audiobook service in the UK and Australia. They're expected to launch it in the US sometime during the winter. 
what I thought was interesting about this is that instead of doing a like per book credit system, like what Audible uses, they're going with a concept where premium members get 15 hours of audiobook time per month. And if you run out your 15 hours, then you can buy more time. Mm. I don't know. I don't think that works for me because on a good month, no. you know, I might do 50 or 60, 70 hours and I kind of like to own them. So I'm not sure I'm in love right. with this concept, but I think maybe for some people, that's probably a pretty good, you know, especially if it's people who already are using Spotify premium, it's probably pretty good for them. Um, they have 150,000 titles at launch, which is not nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that would work for me either, but I, I mean, yeah, it is still cool that they're doing it, but yeah, just have to be the right sort of person. Yeah. Audible system works pretty good for me for the most part. Yeah. All right. Christopher. In our continued coverage of our robotic overlook, it looks like the Atlantic has published an article talking about 183,000 books used to train AI. It's something we've mentioned before. The data set is supposedly a collection of pirated ebooks primarily, and it's what many of the lawsuits are based on. But apparently it's referred to by something so exciting that I just, I don't, I can't even contain it. It books three. Boy, if you're going to name a data set, that is a sexy name for a data set. That's a name that will bring... I want to know what happened All to the boys in the yard. Too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of those. What else on the AI front, Christopher? Well, apparently, Amazon not only is doing the publishing dates for physical books, but they're limiting the KDP publishing for, I guess, is that physical books as well? Or is uh, KDP, KDP is just all of just it at this point? Ebooks. Oh, yeah, I guess they're including that. The physical books. Well, I mean, I don't know if the I don't know if the limit is for just ebooks or hard books, but KDP is where you do your hardcovers and or your physical books now, rather. Yeah, I know. She said she's doing a hardcover, and now everything's hardcover. Like I'm super excited about the hardcover. <laughs> what do we do? Buy one. <laughs> Obviously, but yeah. So it looks like they are now limiting the daily number of titles that can be published to three. Now it does call out that that's new titles. So I guess maybe if you're like getting your catalog back, you could drop them all at once. But it does say that um, it has a way for publishers to reach out to Amazon if it creates any problems somehow, which I guess has got to be an extreme edge case. Yeah, it's not going to be too often that you're, as a publisher, you're going to be like, what, I was planning on publishing five books today. I think most of them probably do (laughs) one each day um, instead. So, yeah. Wake up and be like, man, I, I just, I wrote these these five books yeah, right. this morning. <laughs> Need to get these knocked out real quick. Yeah, I was thinking like even, we I was just going to say, even stomach. with like the rapid release authors, you know, publishing a whole series really quickly, like not even they are going to drop all the books on one day. It's going to be spaced out a bit. So I can't ever, th- I can't think of any scenario where I would need to publish three books in a day. No, I think, but I think it was good of them to call out because you might have some publishers, you know, who've already said like, oh yeah, we're going to put out these 10 titles on this Tuesday, October, whatever, right? And they're like, oh no, this is a problem now, right? So, yeah. So, but it's, it does specify that they're looking to stem the tide of AI books flooding the market. Which is good. Wonder how many of them are travel guides. (laughs) Mushroom hunting guides. (laughs) (laughs) Psychology books. (laughs) Maybe they should limit those to one per day per publisher. (laughs) 
Well, then you get your travel, you get your one travel guide, your one mushroom guide, and your one psychology guide. <laughs> it, it works out perfectly. <laughs> uh, that'll be the news. The news. You guys are you guys are getting so good at this. Man, I made a I made a, a real funny one a moment ago and then I hit record as I'm apt to do and didn't catch them off guard this time. They pulled it together before we started. All right. Well now what you missed out on was I'd already told a couple of bad jokes <laughs> That is gone. true. <laughs> All right. So we're gonna do things a little differently this week. We're gonna do creatives on fire first, and then we're gonna do tools because we're gonna talk about the process JH went through with Jack of Crows and the road. Um, you know, past the point of her finishing writing it and getting all of her edits done, what was the process that led to the publishing now? And then part of the tools, we'll talk about the tools and platforms that were used in that. So from the creatives on fire part, JH, take it away. Tell us about the process uh, you went through with Jack and where you ended up. Yeah. So like I mentioned earlier, Jack was the fourth novel I ever wrote. So I did all the editing drafts, you know, pretty soon thereafter. And it was one of the first novels I actually started submitting. So I regularly submit to both agents and publishers that take an agented submission. So, you know, like Daw, Bain, those sorts of publishers will take submissions even if you don't have an agent. So I'd been submitting that one for a while. And I actually have a database I use to keep track of those things. And for those who are interested, I submitted Jack 85 times. Um, I don't really know the standard for other people. I only have myself to go off of. I've heard some people who've you know only submitted a few times, others who've submitted you know hundreds, whatever. I don't really know. I just know my own process. So for, for deciding to do the self-publishing for it, it really kind of started the other way around where I was focused more on like the music side. And I got the idea of the double release. And I knew I had a couple other book ideas that they weren't really ones I would be submitting. They were just kind of different and quirky and not kind of the traditional novels that I would be submitting. So like, okay, I'm going to do something different with those. And then I had the idea to do a book and album kind of combo release. And once I had that idea, I looked at the ones I was already submitting. And Jack was the most obvious to kind of pull from the submissions and do the self-pub you know, combo with the album instead. Not because like I don't believe it couldn't have been traditionally published, but more just it's out of the ones I'm currently submitting. It is the quirkiest and probably the hardest to sell traditionally because my main character is a scarecrow. I do have a lot of animal characters and I don't know why a lot of people seem to equate that more with like a kid story type thing. And especially with the scarecrow, it's either kid story or it's horror for some reason, because you have all the different horror movies with, you know, evil scarecrows trying to kill people, whatever. And this is neither of those. Like it's, it's a fantasy novel. Yes. A lot of animal, a lot of characters are animals and, Jack as a scarecrow. Otherwise, it's just your standard, you know, fairy tale-ish fantasy novel. So it's different in that way. And I knew that. And that was why I chose to pull it rather than one of the others I was submitting to try this um, book and album release combo instead. So part of it, yes, it, I've been submitting for a while. And the other part was just that it's it's a really quirky and different novel. So it 
fit better than one of the others would. I wanted you to talk about that because I thought uh, we, we've mentioned it a few times, but not really had a good example of us mm-hmm. doing it where, you know, you you take a novel, you know, because people are always like, what do you do first? Or how do you, you know, like, how would you go about the publishing thing? And I think that that is today a very viable strategy is that you take a novel you've written and mm-hmm. you start submitting it to agents, editors, all of the above. And you, while you're doing that, you write the next thing that you want to do. You get it. Right. up and ready to go you start cycling it through and as you write more books you have a sort of a cycle period um you go through and then when you kind of come to the end of that where it's been through a lot and gh's case 85 and there was actually you got some requests for more on that didn't you at least once um, not for jack i have gotten requests for more on some of the others i've done and I'm just kind of clicking through my others that I've submitted as well. They're all kind of in that range. Some are in the 90s at this point. But the difference there is I do feel like some of the others I'm currently submitting are more traditional novels. So I'm not planning to pull any of them yet. So if Jack weren't as kind of quirky as it was, and if it didn't fit like this kind of double release I'm aiming to do, like I would have no problem just get to continue submitting it because... You know, you might like look at oh, 85, that's a lot. Just go ahead and self-publish. But like for me, like that's that's still fine. I, I could have kept sending that out for a while if it were w- one of the more traditional novels. Yes, I think it's viable to go through that path and that cycle. And as something comes mm-hmm. out the backside of it where you're like, OK, I've done it enough. Maybe it's not commercially viable, you know, to a, a major publisher or whatever. Now I've got some other mm-hmm. choices, right? Do I... Go find a small press or an indie house that wants it. Do I want to self-publish it myself? And and JHS case and in mine, we technically legally have our own publishing houses, right? So we can publish our own work. And then, you know, you can also decide, actually, this thing's come out the backside. I want to write more of these. I want to write a series and I'll just plan to self-publish the series. That's another viable option as well right but right. i think it was important to talk about that because we've talked about it before but i don't think we really ever had a real life example of our own team. yeah yeah and that one um yeah it is a good example because it is one i started off submitting and then decided because of the way it's different to put it in this kind of other category of publishing i, I did mention we were talking about other albums we're going to do and i also have books that i want to publish with those so there'll be more double releases in the future all right cool so that's creative on fire, but stick around because now we're going to do tools. I know it's confusing because we're changing it up on you, but it's what we're doing. <laughs> you know what to do. You do it every week. <laughs> All right. Now talking about tools. I'm a tool. Are you? You're, no, you're going to talk about. <laughs> I've been telling him for years uh... he was a tool. Welcome to our tools segment, folks. And on this week's episode of our tools segment, because JH, continuing the storyline of Jack of Crows, because she decided to self-publish, she decided to try a few different platforms and things outside. So my experience self-publishing and and hers up to this point had just basically been Amazon. So she decided Mm -hmm. to try out some of the others and look at things and see what she could learn, what she liked, disliked, that sort of thing. And I thought maybe she could share that with the rest of us. And I wrote it in the show notes, yeah, but, but but you were picking on me, acting like we didn't have a plan. That's not what that was about at all. Oh, all right. <laughs> yes. I was going to say, you can't even make your usual joke because she's one of the only ones that reads all your writing. 
<laughs> I'm just going to shut up now and let Jessica talk. J.H. I mean, J.H. Oops. Dear Lord. <laughs> let me correct myself. Right, yeah, Hobbiton. Oh, my gosh. Are you done? All right. As Phil mentioned, we've mostly um, have experience with Amazon's platform as far as publishing. I wanted to try out some of the others just because I'm curious. I, I do that with all sorts of software. Like I, I mostly use Asana for planning and then Airtable as a database. And then I recently got a new part-time job where I'm going to have to be playing around in Notion and learn how to use that. And that sort of thing actually really gets me excited because I, even if I'm happy with a product, I'm totally open to trying out new ones and seeing how they work for me, how they compare and kind of what I like better. So that worked out really well in this regard because there were a couple I wanted to try. First that I actually was going to publish Jack through was Ingram Spark, which I'd heard some good things about. And I liked that they, that they offered a hardcover edition and it would have included a dust jacket. However, I may just be a weird exception in this, but when I actually set up my Ingram account, um, I ended up with like a weird email from, that claimed to be from them, but like it definitely had all the looks of like a spam email and it wanted me to like contact them or send them some sort of like information or something. And when I logged into my account, like I didn't see anything about that. So I'm like, I'm not sending anything to these people, whoever they are. But then at the same time, when I would try to go and actually create a book in Ingram Spark, I wasn't able to, like everything was grayed out. So it's like, okay, maybe there is something to this, but why are you sending me an email that looks like spam. I don't know. So basically, like, I just haven't done anything with that account. I don't even know if I can publish anything with it. It's really weird. And I feel like they should update their stuff. I've heard other people have had great experiences with it. So that's all I know about that is, yeah, it didn't work for me. So my next choice was draft to digital which I remember first hearing about at one of the superstars writing seminars. And I'd heard good thing about things about it as well. So I went with that one, tried their, um, they offer paperback. They also have a um, kind of connection where you can get set up to do audiobooks, where they will connect you to different um, narrators and whatnot. I've looked into that a little bit, but haven't actually done anything with it yet. So a couple differences I noticed between just draft digital and Amazon as far as the paperback. When I ordered the proof, through draft to digital one big difference was the cost of the proof itself much more expensive through draft to digital than it is just getting a proof through amazon but the quality of the proof is really good so if anyone's ever gotten a proof through amazon for one of their books there's that big kind of transparent ribbon around it that says not for resale um the draft to digital one doesn't have that if you didn't know it was a proof there's not really a way to tell as far as I can determine. I did notice the coloring is darker, like on the cover. And um, the colors came out way darker than they did for like the Amazon cover. So I, I did the um, hard cover through Amazon because they offered that. No dust jacket, unfortunately. But like holding the two against each other, the draft to digital colors are much darker than Amazon are. The quality of like the paper is different as well. So just like trying to think my music, the gathering books were through Amazon and just like looking at like the page count and how thick the book looks. It's I don't even know how to describe it. It's like there's something different about the paper itself to where the Amazon books like look thicker and the draft to digital ones look smaller, but it could be the same page count, if that makes sense. So there's just something in the paper difference that that comes out like that. 
As far as um, like making updates to your book after you've entered all the details and whatnot, draft to digital's process takes much longer. So getting to the point where you can even order a proof can take a few weeks after you've submitted everything. Whereas Amazon's are, I think it's typically just a few hours, maybe a day, if that. And then making changes to your book after you've you know submitted everything is it's also different. Like with Amazon, you can submit changes up until release day and even after. I don't know if they really have a limit. I haven't, you know, submitted multiple changes within a single day, but it doesn't come out as like an obvious thing. Whereas draft to digital is very obvious in the fact like, okay, once you've submitted your final, like you get one free change and then you can't get another free change for 90 days. If you need to do a change before the 90 days are up, you have to pay $25. That was kind of a downside to me to draft to digital. I will say I do really like them. That was just kind of a weird thing. Like I get it if the book's already published, you don't want them making changes, you know, just over and over and over. But the book's not published yet. Like I'm just trying to get it to its final form before publication. Like why would it matter if I need to make one more change before it's published? That's my opinion on that. Um, It's just kind of a, a weird setup they have as far as that goes. Are you tired of overly long, complicated, and pretentious reading material? Annoyed with meandering plots and words that make you reach for a dictionary? What you need is a staycation with the ongoing series The Blade Mage, a fast-paced urban story where elements of sci-fi and fantasy meet mystery and take you on an adventure, always through the scenic route. Worried about price? Not to fret. There's not a $5 word in The Blade Mage. So head over to Amazon and start your adventures with Wyatt, courtesy of author Philip Dreyer Duncan. Oh, that was brilliant, Chris. I love how you cut off that laugh right as the recording started. This is well done. He's trying so hard right now. He's cackling. Oh, don't make a sound. Don't let it out. All right. He's good. We're good. Everyone's good. Chris still got the flowers (laughs) in his hair. J.H. told us all the things. Now, J.H., the most important thing for your release party episode, tell the people where to get the stuff. Tell them where to get the goods. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so Jack will be available on pretty much every platform you can think of. Amazon, Kobo, Books a Million, um, Barnes & Noble should be on there. Um, All sorts of different library sites and Smashwords. I don't even know what else. Uh, Apple Books, that was another one. and the album will be available. It's on Spotify, um, Apple Music. Uh, I think it's going to be on YouTube. It's on my Bandcamp channel. That's the only place where you can get a physical copy of the album is through Bandcamp. Unless you find me in person at a, at a convention or something, and then I might have copies to sell. Um, but it's also on lots of other places like you know Pandora and iHeartRadio and whatnot. There you go. All right. And I am... Philip Trayer Duncan, and this time, don't buy my books, buy JH's book and album, and then buy mine. Buy them all. Just buy everything. (laughs) Go find our names and buy it all. Make us rich so we can be like, ah, we're (laughs) still podcasting, but we're rich now. We're doing it in fluffy chairs instead of these hard-backed aluminum chairs. They make chairs out of aluminum? I don't know. Chris, you've been (laughs) terribly quiet, except for when we're not recording tonight. And he's going to continue that. You're the worst dungeon master ever. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. There's that big, beautiful laugh.
You better not cut that. <laughs> All right, everyone, go buy J.H.'s new book, Jack of Crows, and the album Once Upon a Time by Wildwood Minstrels. Woohoo! Woo! Woo!